Okay. All right, so B'derach Kalah, whenever I give a shi, I really, really try to make it in such a way that it's not an ongoing Indian. Every shear is self-contained, and you don't have to know anything going in. But this week is, I have to break my own rule this week. It's, uh, you know, for a couple of things. First of all, we have, there's some loose ends from last week to tie up, Aleph. And basically, a lot of people are away, so I don't want to, you know, to go on to the next shlav. But we have, we have what to do to finish up from last week. So just for a few minutes of trying to sum up what we've seen so far. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, well, then we'll, t- we'll, go, we'll go weiter from it. Okay, so... What we've been discussing for the past couple of weeks is the sugi of the Erevrav, the history of the Erevrav, who they were. So we spent one week talking about, in a practical sense, who these people were. And we saw different opinions in Chazal. We saw, uh, you know, the, uh, the opinion of, of the Medrash. How do, how do you... Uh, oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, so we saw the opinion of, of the Medrash that... Millions of people that were in Mitzrayim were the heir of Rav. We saw the opinion of the Zara Kaddish, that these were the upper echelon, the sorcerers of Mitzrayim, and so on. We spent the time in that week. And last week, that's really where we began to talk about, in terms of the neshamas of the heir of Rav, who they were, and their part in Klal Yisrael. So very, very quickly. And then we'll see the first Marmukim in the page that you have in front of you that sort of will, will, will sum up a little bit of what we saw last time. Okay, so what we saw last time was, and again... For those that, that didn't hear last week, this might be a little bit sounding a little bit strange, but it is what it is. We saw last week is that there are two parts to Nishmas Yisrael. Every Nisham has two parts. Again, we didn't really go into the sugya of understanding mm-hmm. the different qualities of these parts and the different jobs and different levels, but two basic parts, the body of the Nishama and the head of the Nishama. That's the language that the Rizal uses, the body of the Nishama and the Das, the head of the Nishama. And what we saw is that all that those two parts of Nishmas Yisrael Bechlal were damaged by Adam and Chava. The first part, the body of the Neshama of Adam and Chava, of Nishmas Yisrael was damaged through the Avera of Adam and Chava in Gan Eden, which although we, when we read the Psokim, it's about eating the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but according to Arizal, according to the Zarek Kaddish, that's not the main part of the Avera. The main part of the Avera was Adam and Chava being together as husband and wife before Shabbos. That was the main part of the Avera. And whenever husband and wife are together, especially Adam and Chava, it's going to bring the Shamas to the world. And what that act did was bring the bodies of Nishmas Yisrael, that lower part, that bottom half, the, 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 the bodies of Nishmas Yisrael, quote-unquote, that was brought to the world through that act of Adam and Chava, but in a damaged way, because it was pre-Shabbos, it was before Shabbos. And then we saw from the, from the result... And that part of the neshama, the body of the neshama, has to therefore go through its tikkun, has to go through its process of fixing. And that was the primary job of Avar Mitzvah and Yaakov, to be misakin, and they were able to do such a thing, to be misakin the bodies of Nishmas Yisrael, the body of the souls of Nishmas Yisrael. So by the time Yaakov Inu comes, and he has the shvatim, and so on and so forth, the 70 souls, that, that, some, that was the, the, the perfected state of the bodies of Nishmas Yisrael. That's, by the way, why it's, why it's Shivim Nefesh, the 70 souls. Because when we talk about this system of a body and a head, we know in the writings of the results, always the number 10. Three is Chachma, Bin, and Das. That's the three qualities, the three Kaychas of the intellect. And the seven qualities that are more related to the body and emotion, the lower levels, are Chesed, Gvur, Teferes, Netzachayit, Yisrael, Malchus. So seven always means body. Three always means head. So the shivim nefesh, the 70 souls, which is 7 times 10, 
always means a sense of completion and sort of like a complete system of body. So the 70 souls means the complete tikkun, the rectified version of the bodies of Nishmas Yisrael, which needed fixing because of Adam and Chava bringing them to the world with, their, with them being together before Shabbos. So that's in terms of the body. Now, we, then we saw last week is that Adam and Chava, after being kicked out of Ganeidin, spent 130 years in separation doing tshuva. But during that time, there was residual effect of that original sin. And we saw, according to Chazal, that Adam, there was some levels again, Ba'inus, against his will, levels of Pagam Habris that took place during those 130 years. And those situations of Pagam Habris during those 130 years brought down the heads of Nishmas Yisrael brought them down into the world, but in a, but in a way of, 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 uh, of Pagam, in a way that was damaged. So just as the bodies of Nishmas Yisrael needed Tikkun, and that took place through Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov and the 70 souls, so too the heads of Nishmas Yisrael also needed Tikkun because of those 130 years. Because again, during those 130 years, they were brought into the world, spiritually speaking, but in a, in a Nifgam, in a Pagam way. So what was their history, the history of the heads of Nishmas Yisrael. That's what we spoke about primarily last week. And we saw that the first time where those Nishamas were, were, were uh, born into the physical reality after those 130 years in, within, with the first opportunity to fix themselves was the Dharamabal. Obviously it didn't work out, right? And there was huge Pagama Bris because that's what, they're, that, that's what they knew. That's where those Nishamas came to the world from. That was the first opportunity. Obviously, it didn't work out. The second Gilgal of the heads of Nishmas Yisrael was in the Dar HaFlaga. Also didn't work out. The third opportunity for the heads of Nishmas Yisrael to come to the world was with the city of Sadaim, Sadaim and Amaira. Also didn't work out. And now finally, the fourth opportunity. And the fourth is it. That's the last opportunity. That's it. And then, if not that, then who knows what would have been. The fourth opportunity we saw was that these Nishamas were reincarnated a fourth time in Mitzrayim. In Mitzrayim. And what we, what we saw last week is, is that as the 70 souls, the bodies of Nishmas Yisrael, make their way to Mitzrayim and develop and, 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 and pruravu and they multiply to uh, 600,000, to millions of Yidin, right? So then the process that, took, that takes place in Mitzrayim is that there is a, there is a transfer there's a transfer, there's a chalipin that takes place of the, nishma, the heads of Nishmas Yisrael that found themselves amongst the Egyptians, but once the, head, the bodies of Nishmas Yisrael, with the 70 souls and their offspring, find their way in Mitzrayim, then a union takes place where the souls of the heads, the, the heads of Nishmas Yisrael are reunited with their bodies, and now the tikkun for those heads can take place in a healthy way. It can take place in a healthy way. And what was the tikkun for those neshamas, the heads of, the heads of Nishmas Yisrael, that not only needed to be fixed from the, from the original sin of those 130 years, but also the Dharamabal, Haflog, and Sadoim. So that's what we saw Barichas last week. We're not going to go into details of this, but the entire slavery of Mitzrayim, with all the difficulties of Mitzrayim, and even the mitzvahs that they were given after Yitzhak and Sarim, leading up to Harsinai, it was all custom-made to fix, to bring a tikkun to the heads of Nishmas Yisrael. That's what we saw. And, the, and then the ability to misak in that is because finally the bodies of Kali Yisrael find them, their way in Mitzrayim because of Yosef and the whole story. And that union takes place between the head and the body. And now we could actually get going in terms of fixing Kali Yisrael. That's what we saw last week. Now, the, the, in order to, what we, we mentioned as well, we're going to see, we'll see also over here, 
in order to allow that transfer to be as smooth as possible, to allow the neshamas, the heads of Nishmas Yisrael, which were amongst the Egyptians, for it to be transferred smoothly and easily to the bodies of, of Klai Yisrael, that there shouldn't be any Jewish souls or any part of a Jewish soul left over in Mitzrayim, but it should all be reincorporated into the, the uh, descendants of Avram Avinu in a healthy way, and to go through their tikkun, we saw this was the primary objective of Yosef HaTzadik in Mitzrayim, making certain decrees on the Egyptians, and particularly Egyptians, of forcing them to have a bris milah. We saw this, that according to Chazal, Yosef HaTzadik compels many Egyptians to have a bris milah. And the reason for that is, is because by giving those particular Egyptians a bris milah, it was with divine inspiration. Yosef HaTzadik saw in those Mitzrayim a, the, the, a trapped head of, of a Nisham of Yid in those particular Egyptians. And by giving them a bris milah, that's going to allow the transfer, Bez Hashem, when the 70 souls come in, a, you know, in some time, and, and then the time is ripe for that transfer to take place. Because that Egyptian had a bris, and that neshama that's trapped in that Egyptian experienced the Kedusha Sabris, so Mamela, there's going to be a little bit of an easier transition from that Egyptian over to a neshama, over to a Yid. Otherwise, it would have been too difficult. <clears throat> now, getting to the Erev Rav, so we saw, and this is what we're going to see a little bit more right now, is that even after Yosef Tzadik's efforts of giving the Egyptians a bris milah, and we'll see other inyanim that Yosef Tzadik did in order to allow that transfer to take place. And for the, that, and for the most part, most of those neshamas, of the heads of Kalal Yisrael, did make their way, did transfer over to the bodies of Kalal Yisrael, and, the, and, that, and, and some total, those Jews went through the catharsis and the difficulties of Mitzrayim, and they come out the other end completely purified and rectified and ready for Harsinai. The problem is not all the heads of Nishmas Yisrael were able to be siphoned off. And the remaining neshamas of the heads of Klai Yisrael, the heads of Nishmas Yisrael that were unable or unwilling to be transferred to the Jewish people and to experience the exile in a way that would fix them, those remaining heads of Nishmas Yisrael stuck in Mitzrayim, in, in Egyptians, that's what we call the Erev Rav. And so Moshe Rabbeinu, as we're going to see about today a little bit, Moshe mm-hmm. Rabbeinu had a very strong connection to all of Kalei Yisrael, to all the Neshamas of Kalei Yisrael, specifically the heads of Kalei Yisrael, as Moshe Rabbeinu is the head of Kalei Yisrael, B'chalal, we'll see soon. So because of that, Moshe Rabbeinu was desperate to get these Neshamas out. And this was the dialogue between him and the Rabbani Shloylam, are they ready to be taken out or not? Because Moshe Rabbeinu understood that if I take them out without them without these neshamas transferring to the bodies of Nishmas Yisrael, without going through the slavery and the tikkun and everything. So if I take these Erev Rav, these Mitzrayim, these physical Egyptians out, because they have contained within them, stuck within them, imprisoned within them, heads of Nishmas Yisrael, then that means I'm going to be saving those neshamas, but I'm also going to be taking all the, all the psilas, all the uh, filth, that, that comes with those Egyptians as well. Because again, let's bear in mind, we have a cloth from the Torah, that the higher something is, until it has its tikkun, until it's fixed and it's rectified, the higher something is, the lower it can descend. Right? The lower it can descend. It's the, the biggest neshamas in the world that find themselves in the lowest places. The Arizal, in fact, talks about this. We find this in Svarim, that very often when a big neshama comes to the world, or, is, or it's time for a big neshama to be born into the world, but by the way, the point of all this is not to creep anyone out or to freak anyone out. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's Tayri, Velimlet, Anutrichem, and hopefully Shri Machazakas. And again, all this is leading up to figuring out what the Avaida of Shmir Sabris is practically. Because again, 
even on a very simple level, what we've seen so far, and this is how we ended last week, is that on a, on a, very, on a, on a, on a deep level, what we're finding is, is that Shmir Sabris, which is the whole Indian of those 130 years, everything is revolving around that Indian of Pagama Bris, going back to Adam and Chava, is somehow connected with the head of the Neshama. There's the body of the Neshama, and then there's the head of the Neshama. And there's a, what we're seeing is a strong relationship between the Indian of Shmir Sabris and the Indian of the head of the Neshama. And so that's where we're going to Bez Hashem get to in a couple, in a, in a week or so, to figure out in Avodis Hashem, what exactly does it mean, the body of the Neshama? What does it mean exactly, the head of the Neshama? And in what sense is the head of the Neshama related to that Indian of Shmir Sabris? Because that's, that's what we see so far, and that's what Shavim is about. But again, Bez Hashem will get there. We just have to build up the building blocks. The Rizal said that when you have a big Neshama that's about to enter into the world, the Sitra is always nervous of that. Because a big Neshama comes to the world that makes a lot of waves, in a good way, and hopefully in a good way. So sometimes... Sometimes the only way for the Sitra Achra to allow, for the sudden to allow a big Neshama to come to the world is if it comes to the world without realizing what it is. Without realizing what it is. Without being, being raised in an environment where it doesn't even chap its kaychas. Because then it's not, uh, it's not dangerous at all. Right? It doesn't even know what it is. So the Rabbani Shalom is masking sometimes for that to happen. But the Rabbani Shalom always wins. And the Rabbani Shalom has a way of even those Neshamas discovering their kaychas at some point. But there is such an idea that the bigger neshama goes to the lower places. So within the heads of Nishmas Yisrael, within the heads that found their way on their fourth incarnation, found their way in Egypt, those neshamas that were, that were um, conscious enough of who they were as, as holy neshamas to find their way to the 600,000 yidin, the bodies, those are gavaldig neshamas. But those neshamas that were still stuck in the Erevrav, those are the biggest, the deepest neshamas. So it's not just like the few leftovers, of, you know, you know the, the, the stragglers left behind. Those were on some level the deepest neshamas. And so Moshe Rabbeinu is very much drawn to them and he feels that he needs to bring them out. And Moshe Rabbeinu's decision of bringing them to, uh, you know, with the Exodus, despite the fact that these Mitzrayim have not been worked through and the neshama inside of them is trapped amongst all the garbage and the filth that these people embodied as well, because again, that's what we're going to see, the... The, 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 these big neshamas found themselves in such, in, in the opposite of everything that they represent. It's not the lowest places. So you have these Erevrav coming with us, and when those neshamas that were trapped in this Erevrav become now incorporated into Kla Yisrael without it, them being refined, then all the imperfections and all the, and all the, uh, the sediment and so on also becomes absorbed in the system of the Jewish people. And as we're going to see, that causes long-term effect, long-term damage. We're not, now you have Neshama, heads, deep neshamas being incorporated into the system with all the imperfections and impurities that they come with them because they weren't worked through through the catharsis of Mitzrayim. So now you have terrible damage. As Hashem, we're going to see that we suffer till this day because of that imperfection, because of that, that uh, because of the um, the uh, you know the impurities that became absorbed within the collective system, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. We're going to talk about that soon. But let's just finish up some loose ends about this Indian. Take a look at Marmok in the room one. Okay, so this is going to be the first paragraph. is sort of going to be summing up everything that we just spoke about, like as follows. Again, it's from Sharp Sukkim. Today we're just going to it's just straight Arizal. Just we're not even going to pretend. Okay, just straight Arizal from Sharp Sukkim. So this is from Parsha Shemais. It's all from Parsha Shemais. At the end of the day, at the end of the exile, when we were about to be ready to leave. 
we now turn, we now end up with two uh, categories of neshamas. Within the heads of Nishmas Yisrael, two categories. Yesh neshamas shenisganu lagamri. You have the, da, the, the, the heads of Nishmas Yisrael, which made their way to their Jewish bodies, and having gone through the exile of Mitzrayim, are now fixed, are now ready, are now prepared to receive the Torah in a holy way. That's one category. The Nizgalgul B'Bnei Yisrael, these are the neshamas that became incarnated and became connected to the Jewish people in Mitzrayim, Shabadaru in that generation. After the 70 souls came in and they developed into 600,000, those, those heads of, of Nishmas Yisrael from the Egyptians that transfer over to them and go through the, the, the Golas are now rectified. But then you have other neshamas, the deepest neshamas, that were not rectified, that is that are still found, found themselves in Mitzrayim. And says the, the Arizal that this inyan of, of the heads of Nishmas Yisrael originally finding themselves throughout Mitzrayim, that's why Yosef Ratzadeh gave a bris milah to the Egyptians when he became second in command. Because Yosef decreed Brismila specifically on those Mitzrayim that he saw with his eyes as having within them a trapped head of, of Nishmas Yisrael. The Gam Yaakovinu Amr Chazal, and even Yaakovinu, when he finds his way to Mitzrayim with Yosef, Chazal also say, that Yaakovinu also was preoccupied with converting converts, with being Makar of Mitzrayim. So, uh, what are they doing? What's Yosef interested in giving Brismila to Goyim? What's Yaakov you know, interested in bringing Bimagayar uh, Mitzrayim? The answer is, it was, they were hand-picked, they were hand-selected by Yosef and by Yaakov Vinu, those neshamas that uh, needed extra tipul, that needed extra work in bringing out and allowing their neshama, the, the nishmas Yisrael to, to exit. And said that result, these Mitzrayim that were given a bris milah, that were even converted by Yaakov Vinu, did not mix up with the, with the rest of the Egyptians. That created a cultural divide within Egypt between those Egyptians that were now somehow, you know, somehow connected to the Jewish people and the rest of the country. And said that result, within their cities, these Egyptians were, they had, they, culturally they felt connected with Yidin. And maybe they were not, they were not actually Yidin yet, but they, 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 they followed the culture of, Nishma, of Klai Yisrael. Whatever Klai Yisrael was doing, they felt culturally connected. Is such a thing? Kamashakasav, as the Pasik says, that Yaisva Tzadik sent the Om, and again, Om was always a code word for Eir of Rav, or these Mitzrayim they had within them the heads of Nishmas Yisrael. Yaisva Tzadik takes the Om and puts them in their particular cities. These are the Geirim that Yaakovin was involved with, that Yaisva Tzadik gave a Brismila to. They have Frishim designated them in their specific cities. Separate and, and, and isolated from the rest of Mitzrayim. They weren't mixed up with the rest of the Egyptians. And the reason for this is, again, all this purpose, in order to allow the transition from those Nisham. The, the intention was never that these Egyptians should leave Mitzrayim. The intention was paving the way to allow the trapped neshamas of, 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 of the heads of Kali Yisrael in these people to be transferred to Kali Yisrael healthfully, and then Kali Yisrael will leave. But again, the problem, and that happened for the, the vast majority of these Egyptians. And that's why at the end of the day, not all of them actually left Mitzrayim. But the problem was those last few holdups that were not able and ready for, theirs, for the, the, the spark of, of, of Yiddishkeit within them to be transferred, so that's when there's a debate between Maish and the Rabbanu Shalom. What do I do with these people? I can't leave them here because they're the, it's everything, you know. 
The whole purpose of, of Gaulus Mitzrayim was to, to save these Nishamas. I can't leave them. But yet they're not ready to be taken. So what do we do? So that's what Moshe Avinu sacrificed. He said, okay, I'm going to take them, but they're my responsibility. I'll make sure that uh, I go to work to fix them. And, you know, and Moshe Avinu is still working on that to this day. That's what we saw. Okay. So fine. That's all really what we saw last week. So no, nothing really new. So now we're just going to tie up some loose ends and just explain some amazing, amazing things in terms of the, the, the story of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim from this context. Okay? Because this is Mamish, a new, a new way of looking, of thinking about Gauls Mitzrayim, Gauls Mitzrayim. It's all... It's a new, new history. So take a look at Marmokka number two. Va'ata Navar. Now says Dari, now based on all that background, now let's explain Inyan Gu'ulasam, the process of Gu'ulas Mitzrayim, the redemption from Mitzrayim. V'lama haya de Maish Rabbeinu. Why dafka Maish Rabbeinu? Why, why all of a sudden Maish Rabbeinu has to be the one? Why do you, first of all, why do you even need a Maish Rabbeinu? Why can't Hashem Yisbrach himself just take us out from this? Why do you need a Maish Rabbeinu? What's, who is Maish Rabbeinu? V'lacha Navar, Inyan Maish Rabbeinu. So then now let's explain the Inyan of Maish Rabbeinu. You know, it's an amazing thing. Moshe Rabbeinu is not a person. He's an Indian. You know, he's a sugya. He's a, the Indian of Moshe Rabbeinu. Hine. Moshe Rabbeinu, so until now we've seen that every single Yid, every single Yid, whether it be, again, we're focused more on now the, the heads of Nishmas Yisrael, is coming. Their original existence came to the world, right? Because of the Gama Bris of Adam and Chat, right? From Adam, those 130 years, yes? Which means that every single individual Nishama can be seen as a, as a piece, a piece of that larger entity which is called the head of Kal Yisrael, the head of Nishmas Yisrael. You have to understand, Kal Yisrael can be seen as individual components, but there's also the sum total, the, S, the collective whole of Kal Yisrael. So you have individual pieces, then you have the collective whole. So he says as follows, Maishra is the collective head of Klai Yisrael itself. Every single Jew is a tipa zera, is a little piece of genetic, spiritual genetic material of Adam and Chava. But who is Adam's mind? In other words, a little bit of, of a background. Again, whether this is true medically is completely irrelevant. But according to Chazal, the tipa zera of a man originates in the mind. It originates in the mind. The das, the mind of the, the brain of the person, that's where the, the, the tiba begins to form. It travels down. Chazal says such a thing again, whether it be physically or spiritually, it travels down the spine, and then it formulates as the tipa zara, which means that every tipa is existing on its own, but in its root, it's part of that mind. So the same thing with Adam, right? All the, the heads of Nishmas Yisrael are the indivi- every individual neshama is a tipa zera, is a piece of uh, genetic material from Adam. But all of it is coming from the mind of Adam. So the individual Jews and the individual souls that are trapped in the Egyptians trying to make their way to Jews, those are the individual tipa zera of Adam, and ha- of Adam during those 130 years. But who's the brain of Adam that all these tipa zera are coming from? What's the, where's the brain that is the root of all these individual neshamas? That's my Shervein. So Moshe Rabbeinu is the embodiment of the brain of Adam, the mind, the das of Adam. And every single individual Jew is now a piece, a fragment, a piece of that mind. This is why that generation is called the Dardea. The Dardea. The word Erev Rav is also the Gematria, the word Das. Because the Erev Rav is the unrefined version of the Das, of these Neshamas that are coming from the Das. So this is what's going on. So who's Maish Rabbeinu? This is why Maish Rabbeinu has such a connection to these neshamas of Yidin and Mitzrayim, because he is the brain 
that all these individual fragments are coming from. Mina Moshe Rabbeinu, again, he says the second line, who bechines hadas atzma. Moshe Rabbeinu is the das of Adam himself. Ashrimenu yotzu tipi hashchaz hazer shalomishan that all these fragments come from. Shem bechines kol b'nei Yisrael shabai sadar the gospel from Kinnitzka that are all these individual Jews of that generation. Benimso, which means he called b'nei Yisrael that all the Klai Yisrael of that of that time v'gam kol ha'erevrav shiatz mitzrayim the Klai Yisrael and the erevrav right because they're all just whether it be rectified neshamas or unrectified neshamas, right? Kulam anofim v'nitzaytzes tipe zera sheyatsu min hadas atzmai. These are all again tipe zera that come from the das of other merishin. And now that we can define Moshe as the brain of Adam and of Adam, so now these neshamas are now could be seen as as branches of Moshe Rabbeinu. They're extensions of Moshe Rabbeinu. They're Moshe Rabbeinu himself. This is why we find from, from Chazal that Moshe is shakal connected Kal Yisrael. Chazal says such a thing that Moshe is even equals all of Kal Yisrael. So like if you put all of Kal Yisrael on one side of a scale and Moshe on the other, it turns out even. So what does that mean? Like the amount of mitzvahs that Moshe Rabbeinu uh, has, uh, he put on tefillin as many times as uh, 600,000 yidin? Like what does that mean exactly? No, he put on tefillin obviously a less amount of times, but his tefillin is more chashiv, is, is, is as chashiv as all of them, like in quality. What does it mean, even? How does Rabbi Mishlam even judge a matter of, of, of evenness? He was born a Moshe Rabbeinu, and he's born a, uh, a Yankel Goldstein. Uh, he has his kaychas, he has his kaychas. What does it mean, even? B'chalal? The answer is, on a deep level, what Chazal is saying is that all of Kla Yisrael are branches off of that mind that's called Moshe Rabbeinu. And in that sense, they're both the same. They're even. Moshe Rabbeinu is where all these neshamas are coming from. And Klai Yisrael is, 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 is Moshe Rabbeinu, the mind of Moshe Rabbeinu, in fragmented form. It, it, it's one of the same. Moshe Rabbeinu is Klai Yisrael in its concentrated uh, root form. And, and Klai Yisrael is Moshe Rabbeinu in fragmented form. It's the same in it. It's the same thing. So he says as follows. El Yisrael Again, so all of these neshamas are connected to Moshe Rabbeinu. The Kla Yisrael ones are the Musakanim. Those are the neshamas that were rectified. The Ha'erivav, like Hayu neshamas neskanim. But the Erevav are the unrectified neshamas. Adayin Kviroi, that not, not worked out properly yet. This is why Moshe Rabbeinu is now going to be the Redeemer, because Moshe Rabbeinu is a major part of the story. Now it's an amazing thing. Listen to this. We know that how long was Gols Mitzrayim, the exile? 210. But really, when Klai Yisrael entered Mitzrayim, right? 210 years, right? But really, for the first 130 years, it was during those first 130 years of Gols Mitzrayim that all the, you know, we've been talking about of the bodies of Nishmas Yisrael being there and finding their heads and the heads of Nishmas Yisrael moving from Mitzrayim into Klai Yisrael and Klai Yisrael going through the Gullahs and the Tikkun taking place. Everything we've been talking about is really predominantly have been, really took place predominantly during the first 130 years. Why 130? Because 130 <laughs> is the exact amount of time that, these, that the heads of Nishmas Yisrael, which is exactly what all of was about to begin with, that, that was the amount of years that they came to the world in a damaged way during the times of precious between Adam and Chava, 130 years. So 100, the first 130 years of Gaul's Mitzrayim, that's really when 
the real avoida is, is taking place to fix these neshamas that came to the world during the damage to 130 years. Adam, corresponding to the 130 years that Adam and were separated. They lead them, and they were sort of brought into reality. Now, after 130 years of being in Gaul's Mitzrayim, fixing and correcting the damage that was done during those 130 years that these heads of Nishmas Yisrael were brought to the world originally, so now Maishu Rabbeinu can make his appearance into the world. To reemerge. To reemerge. Rabbeinu, now the head of Adam and Chava, can now reemerge in a, in, a, in, a, in a complete state because all the fragment, fragmented pieces of Adam's brain, so to speak, has now found Tikkun, or at least a significant a number of them have found Tikkun enough for the reemergence of the collective brain of Adam, and, of Adam which is Moshe Rabbeinu. And we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was born after 130 years of Gauls Mitzrayim. How do I know? So he says, Simple math, right? Moshe Rabbeinu was 80 years old, but say some Mitzrayim, when we actually left Mitzrayim. And we know that the Gauls Mitzrayim in some total was 210. So how, old was, how long was Gauls Mitzrayim existing for when Moshe was born? So it's simple math, 210 minus 80, it's 130. So 130 years is how long Gaussian was before Moshe could come to the world. Seppis, the answer is because again, 130 years, those were the amount of years corresponding to the original 130 years of Adam and Chava being separated. And those years needed fixing in a very strong way to even allow the reemergence of the Das of Adam to come into the world, which is Maishu Rabbeinu. But after 130 years of Tikkun, now the, the brain of Adam could re-emerge in Maishu Rabbeinu, and the process of Gula can, can, can really begin. It, it, it seems like all the Tikkun, the purification, was not done by the Mitzvah of the Rav, it was the Yidin who had to go through that with his parents. So mm-hmm. is it all the Avayda in the body, and then you just ride for the soul to come in? We don't find that the Mitzvah went through any Shibud or any... Uh, so it's true. Once the the, the, once the, uh, the, the Yidin were suffering in Gullahs, once their corresponding head entered into their body, so to speak. So when you have a Yid in the slave pit, even though originally he was just a head, but him being there, the, the uh, body, but him being there, the heads of Nishmas Yisrael became this Galgel in their bodies, and now you have a, son, a, a full, complete Nishama being imprisoned, uh, going through the slave pits, but you're, you are right on a certain level, which is that the head by itself, it, it, it's the body that needs to work on behalf of the head. But, it all, but it's because the head became connected with the body, and now slavery can take place. It was those holdouts of the air of Rav that didn't allow the head of Nishmas Yisrael in them to make their way to their corresponding body, that they're not having the tikkun. Because you're right, the tikkun has to happen through the avoida of the body, with the head being incorporated within it. Because the body is the one that does the work. But we'll, again, these are just words right now. But Hashem, the next, uh, in the next coming weeks, we'll talk about this more in Avayda, and we'll understand a little bit more what we're talking about. Because this is classic Arizal, where it's just like, it's just, it's just you know, it, it's, it's up here. You know? And Chesidus comes and brings it all the way down. Chesidus is sort of the body to the head of the Arizal, in a certain sense. So that's, we have to do this as well. So right now we're just... You know, drawing a skeleton, we have to sort of fill in the, the blanks. So, so the 
Shibu was the purification process, almost like the Ziyah of, of, of Adorishan, yeah. in order for the Neshama, for the Neshama, for the, the Roshan Neshama to come back into the Gulf Neshama. The Roshan, right, the head re enters the body during this process of, of, of Mitzrayim, and then when now that union between body and, and head in, a, in an actual Jew is now enslaved, and he goes to that Tikkun, that's, that's fixing the head. That's, that's the problem. That was the problem. They didn't have a Tikkun. Not no need. They needed to, because the, the heads were, 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 were still damaged because of those 130 years, but they didn't have a Tikkun because they weren't enslaved. They didn't, they, again, the Tikkun have, the Tikkun has two stages. Number one, the head has to reunite with the body, and that's some, that, that, entire, that entirety now has to go through the slavery of Mitzrayim. And so you need, you need that to happen. So you needed those neshamas, the heads of Nishmas Yisrael, stuck in Mitzrayim, to first find their way to Yidin, and those Yidin enslaved. So that happened for the vast majority of, of heads of Nishmas Yisrael. But those few holdouts that did not make their way from Mitzrayim to Klai Yisrael, they didn't find their tikka. Now they're stuck with all their impurities and all their sediment, and that's what the Erev Rav, and Moshe decides to take them in, despite the fact that they're not able to, uh, that they're not purified yet. That's exactly what's going on. Okay, so let's go a little bit further. Uh, next paragraph. Now, understanding who Moshe Rabbeinu now is, Moshe Rabbeinu as the reemergence of the mind of Adam, now we could explain why Moshe's birth was such a strange thing. Because we know that, again, what's the basic history? We know from Rashi and Chumash that Moshe and his parents, again, were Amram and Yuchavid. Now, Moshe Benin was the third child, right? So we already, there was already a Miriam, there was already an Aaron, right? But Moshe Benin was now born from Amram and Yuchavid. But we know that, according to Chazal, before Moshe Benin's conception, Amram and Yuchavid had this idea of separating from each other. Why? Because I'm going to think, you know, uh, every, baby boy, every baby boy is now being thrown into the river. What am I going to waste my time having a child that the child's going to be killed? So you know that Miriam comes and says, you're worse than Pari. At least Pari is only decreeing the boys. And you're, by not, by not being with your wife, you're, gonna, you're destroying girls as well. Because you don't know, maybe you're going to have a girl. So because of that, Amram and Yuchavid remarry. And the Chazal say that not only did they remarry, they made a whole chasana as mamish, like a, not just like a, a private thing, they made a whole new chasana. And Chazal say a miracle took place that Yocheved returned to her youth. She literally uh, physically returned to how she was when she was young. And now, in this new ma- the second marriage, Moshe Rabbeinu was born. That's the Maisa. Okay. So the Rizal asks some basic questions as follows. He says like this. How old, by the way, was Yocheved at the time? Yocheved was 130 years old when she has Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? Because Yocheved was, was born right as Klai Yisrael were entering into Mitzrayim. She was Nodah Bein HaChemes, right? She was born in between the walls. Mamish. So she's born right away there. And now that's when Golis Mitzrayim begins. 210 years begin. 130 years later, she gives birth to Moshe Rabbeinu. So Miriam is now 130 years, years old. Vaz is Moshe. That's when Moshe Rabbeinu was born. So why is all this happening? Because in order for Maisha to be the reemergence of the mind of Adam in, you know, in this rectified state, you have to go through the... History has to repeat itself. There has to be a, re, a reemergence of that process of those 130 years. You need an Adam and a Chava to separate, you know, to, 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 to now come back together and to uh, produce a Maisha Rabbeinu, who's going to be the embodiment of... Like the, 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 the son of Adam, 
the son of Adam. So he says as follows, you'll see what the words are. So he says, Vaz Halaris Moshe, Al Derech Shapir Adam Echavah, just as Adam and Chava separated, Vachikach Hoylet is Sheis, and then Sheis is born, right? Sheis is again, what ha- who is Sheis? After Adam and Chava are separate 130 years, they come back together and they produce Sheis. Sheis, therefore Moshe Abenu is going to be related to Sheis. We see this in, the, in this farm that Moshe Abenu is a reincarnation of Sheis. Because again, it's, this, it's history repeating itself. Adam and Chavah are separate 130 years. They come back together, and a new, and, and a son is born. That is the Benokar uh, Tavua. That is the, 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 the main descendant of Adam. The main child of Adam is, is Chase. Cain and Hevel don't work out, right? Hevel's killed. Cain is destroyed in the Mabel. The only, the progeny of, of Adam, in truth, is Chase. And that's what, my, so Moshe Rabbeinu is the reemergence of this, of this story. He says as follows. Just as Shes was born when Chav was 130 years old, right? Because Chav was born in Gan Eden, right? That's the day she was uh, alive. And 130 years later, she has Shes. And now we could explain. Why does Maisha Rabbeinu's birth need such strange things? We know Aaron was born just three years earlier, right? So, if, if Amram is separating from his wife because he's worried about this decree of Parai, the decree was going on for a very long time. For a very long time. And he was willing to be together with his wife to have an Aaron a few years back. All of a sudden now he has this thing in his head, he can't be with his wife anymore. What changed? Nothing changed. Why didn't he separate from his wife you know, when the decree first kicked in and Aaron wouldn't have been born? And also, why do you need this other miracle, Shachazul and Arusa, that uh, Yechever returned to her original uh, youth? Why is that necessary? Just a few years back, when she's uh, 127, she has Aaron, without any miracles. All of a sudden, she hits 130, now you need miracles to allow her to have a child. Why? It's, it's an unnecessary miracle. Three years before that, she gave birth to Aaron, everything was fine. But calls that, she didn't need miracles. Void, another question. in such a way that he has to remarry his wife. This whole like it's such a strange story. Allowing, you know, setting up the you know, setting up the, the, the scene for Maisha Rabbeinu. Avalini knew, but the answer is The answer is because now that you need after 130 years of all the tipazera of Adam fixed, and now you have the reemergence of the collective whole of the tipazera, the reemergence of the mind of Adam of Adam in Maisha Rabbeinu, who is Shais, right? That's that's what's going on over here. So now you need. Moshe's parents to embody Adam and Chava. You need them to embody Adam and Chava, and their reunion is going to be not just Amram and Yochevet, it's now going to be Adam and Chava. And Adam and Chava are going to come back together to bring into the world a physical reflection of Adam himself, just as a son is a reflection of the father. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu is. Moshe Rabbeinu is the, the, the reflection of Adam, because of a healthy union between Adam and Chava. And this all happens after 130 years of them being separated. And Ma'amram and Yecheva now had to be the re-emergence of Adam and Chava in the world, coming together, after fixing their mistake of 130 years, coming together and giving birth to their son that's reflective of who they are, and that's Moshe Rabbeinu. 
So he says as follows: Lochin hutzrichu chava eishes adam rishon lisaber nishmasa biyochavet eishes amram. This is why the soul of chava had to make its way back, make its way back into the world in yochavet. Adam had to find his way back in Amram. And now when Amram and Yechavet are no longer just Amram and Yechavet, now Amram and Yechavet and contained within them is Adam and Chava. And now they need a second marriage. Why? Not so much because of Amram and Yechavet, but because now they're new people. They're now Adam and Chava at the same time. So that's... Um, by the way, there's... Uh, okay, there's a lot to talk about over here, but there's... Uh, it's getting late already, but there's... Uh, there's a famous uh, conversation that took place with Yerushalayim Brisker and the Rugged Shaver. That Ruchaim held that whenever a person gets married, it's not the shot that you, you, you say a Rebbe and you're married, and now, now you're married. Ruchaim had a Chiddush that every single moment you, you started the chain reaction at that moment of Rebbe Mikdash's Lee, but every single second the marriage is renewing itself. So there's a famous uh, Maisa that Ruchaim said that over to the Ragachavar, and the Ragachavar said, Mazel tov. Mazatov. Like he obviously not, not agreeing with that with that idea. But this part from Narizal would be a little bit a kash on Rukhaim, right? Because if marriage renews itself, then okay, then now that there's now there's a, a, a reemergence of Adam and Chava in Amram and Yechavit, so the marriage is renewing itself. So let it renew itself as them new people of Adam and Chava as well. The fact that he has to go through another marriage. Because there's more neshamas contained within them. Maybe it's a shtickle rise of the rugged shaver that marriage is not a, it's not, it doesn't renew itself automatically. You have to renew it when you need, you know, when, when the time comes. So that's what, anyway, but that's already. So he says as follows. Vezesoy, this is the meaning, but if you, let's go to the next paragraph. Vezesoy, this is the meaning of the Pasuk. Vetar isha vetaled bain. It says in Pasuk regarding the birth of Maisha that the isha became pregnant. And gave birth to a son, the Isha. Call her by your name. Her name is Yochavet. You know, why, why the Isha became pregnant? The answer is he Isha Rishon because this is a reference that Yochavet is not just Yochavet now. In terms of Moshe Rabbeinu's birth, which is part of this whole long history going back to Adam and Chava, so Moshe Rabbeinu has to be seen as the as the as the reemergence of a of a unified uh, uh, progeny of Adam. Namely, like Shays, just like Shays was after 130 years of separation, and so Adam, his parents have to therefore be seen in this way of Adam and Chava. So his mother is being called the Isha. That's what that's, that's what Chava was. He Isha Rishon And this is what's an amazing thing. You see the Mamish the Ruch Hakodesh, what that result does to fill in all the blanks of what we find in the Zayar. The Zayar says one line about this. The Zayar says, "Vatari Isha Vatelit," that the Isha, Moshe's wife, Moshe's mother, became pregnant and gave birth to him. Says in the Zayar. Ben Ha'isha Vadai. This is certainly the son of the Isha. Kedomar Lazaisi Kari Isha. As the Pasik says, that Adam said about Chava, that this is called the Isha. So he's like the Zara. So Moshe is being born from the Isha. Says Zara, that's the Isha. That's Chava. Shaykhis, what's the Zara talking about? So now with that reason, this whole story of Kuflamit Shana and Gilgulim and Mabul and Darflaga. V'chulu, v'chulu, this is now, that's what the Zara is saying. That's not what the Zara is saying. That Moshe is the reemergence of the son of Adam, the mind of Adam in a, in a, in a solidified, healthy way. That's what's going on. And he's the, the son of Adam and Chava. <clears throat> so, Nimsa. So, it comes out just to end off Mamash quickly. Ki means that, summing it all up. Moshe Rabbeinu is therefore the, the Das. Moshe Rabbeinu is the mind, so to speak, is the, 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 the unified collective whole of all these uh, fragments of Adam's mind. Moshe Rabbeinu is the sum total of that. 
the collective whole. The holy side of this of this idea. And the branches, the fragmentation, what comes off of Maisha, that's the generation of the day of Dardea. Now, everything has its counter, everything has its balance. As I, as the as the heads of Klai Yisrael are being taken out of the Egyptians and being re, reabsorbed within Klai Yisrael, and Moshe Rabbeinu is as, as happening, Moshe Rabbeinu is growing and becoming and materializing, and finally after 130 years, there's enough of that ingathering to allow the Moshe Rabbeinu to reemerge. Right, that's what's going on. So at the same time, everything has its mirror image. Everything has its negative version. So just as there's the holy version of Das, and there's the holy version of, of Klal Yisrael, there's the anti-Das, there's the negative version, there's the, there's the, uh, the, the, the leftover Psylus, right? When the, when, when, when the heads of Klal Yisrael are being taken out of the Erev Rav, being taken out of Mitzrayim, what's left is the, is the, is the husk, what's left is the, is the empty shell now. And so that empty shell has until now been enlivened by the spark of Nishmas Yisrael there, but now the Nishmas is being gone. Now the Nishmas has been taken away. What's remaining behind? As Moshe Rabbeinu, there's the opposite, and that is Bilam. Bilam is the anti-Das. Just as Moshe Rabbeinu is the sum total of the head of Nishmas Yisrael, the anti-head of Nishmas Yisrael, the anti-head, everything that's the opposite of Moshe Rabbeinu is Bilam. Everything is the, op- the opposite of Moshe Rabbeinu is Bilam. Ubilam Bilam hadas shalaklipa. Bilam is the embodiment of what Das means in an unholy version. The unholy version of Das is Bilam. Mu'ur of and Bilam is able to be sustained. Why is Bilam even, why is he able to, to exist? Because there's still some neshamas left in Mitzrayim, because of the Erev Rav, right? Again, what's going on over here? Because some unrefined neshamas left in that place of the Erev Rav, that's sustaining the anti-Das. Because again, everything is covered over by its opposite. Right? So you have the heads of Nishmas Yisrael lost in the places of Mitzrayim, and, the, and their existence there is sustaining everything that's the opposite of Kedusha. And the opposite is always the opposite of that particular Kedusha. So what, 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 what the Das of Klai Yisrael means, there is the opposite, there's the Das of impurity, that's Bilam, and that's being sustained as long as there's Nishamas left within that world of Mitzrayim, that's what's going to sustain the unholy world of, of Klippa, the unholy world of Bilam. So he says, this is why, again, we'll just finish off Balpeh, this is what we find that as, as Klai Yisrael are slowly but surely pulling all the Neshamas from Mitzrayim into themselves, Bilam's universe feels like it's collapsing on itself, right? Because that's what's going on, right? And until now, Bilam is being sustained because Nishmas Yisrael is, is fueling that system. But as Neshamas are being taken from his place and being brought into the Klai Yisrael's position, so Bilam is feeling himself l- losing Kaichas. And the only thing that is sustaining him, even, you know, even at the end, were those few Erevravs still held up, not being able to be, those Neshamas not being able to be siphoned off in a healthy way. And when those Neshamas are siphoned off, are brought into us with all their impurities, so it means that Bilam is still, is still able to survive through those impurities. That's the, that's the connection. This is why Bilam absolutely hates Klal Yisrael. Because Bilam sees in Klal Yisrael his demise. He sees his, un, his undoing. Because he's being sustained because of those neshamas. And as those neshamas are being taken 
from his world into our world, he's losing his energy source, he's losing his, his koichas, and so that begins to fall apart. And this is what we saw last time from the, the first share we gave, is that the heads of the sorcerers, which were those last holdouts, right, those neshamas, those, the heads of the sorcerers were, were who? The two sons of Bilam. So Bilam is a major player in this whole, in this whole Indian. And that's why, again, as we said in the beginning, when Moshe Rabbeinu is having the conversation with Hashem and deciding on his own that he's going to take the Erev Rav out, that's reminiscent of Bilam speaking up to the Rabbani Shem also and deciding things on his own. Just Moshe Rabbeinu is doing it, L'Shem Shemayim, and Bilam is obviously not. But you see this correlation. Again, this is just to sum up, this, to sort of tie up uh, some of the loose ends from last week. Bez Hashem, next week we're going to go into the next Shlav and try to make sense of everything we're talking about. Uh, Bez Hashem. Okay. Yashikayach. Yashikayach.